On today's episode, we talked to a funeral director in training. And guess what? That funeral director in training is my older brother, Kapali. Hey, hey, everybody. We asked him some questions about how he's kind of going through the ropes of being a funeral director. Things, if you're thinking about being a funeral director, maybe you want to take in consideration, or you just kind of want to learn what funeral directors do, especially in the starting point of their careers. So listen in. Check it out. Let's talk about death, baby. Let's talk about grief and mourning. Is it argumental or existential? What's it mean to me? Let's talk about death. Hi, I'm Benny Capal, and I'm a funeral professional. And I'm Nicholas Capal, psychologist. Hey, Nick, let's talk about death. Let's do it. Hello, all your listeners out there. Welcome back. It's Dr. Nicholas and Benny, and uh, we're actually going to be talking about a funeral director in training. That's the episode today, and it just happens to be another Kapal who is becoming a funeral director, so he's a funeral director in training. Welcome on the show, Christopher. It's Kapali, and thank you, Nick, for that uh, awesome intro. This is Benny. I am so excited to have you on the show, Kapali, our older brother. Kapali, tell us a little bit about your experience so far and kind of learning the ropes through dad and I. I I know you really look up to me. So go ahead and let's start that. Um, First off, I just want to quickly say thanks for having me on the show. I really, really do appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity. I've been a fan since day one, and I really, really think you guys are doing something great for the uh, community. So great job thus far. Uh, Yeah, I started back in March here at Kapal Funeral Home. And, uh, you know, I was a little apprehensive to leave my, my prior job, but at the end of the day, this was truly my calling and the opportunity to work with your family is absolutely incredible, especially when you're close to them. So, you know, I get to see my brother or I get to see my brothers, Benny and Dr. Nick almost every day. I, I get to work with my father. I get to work with my mother. I get to work with my grandmother. So it's, it's, it's a pretty amazing thing um, when you're surrounded by people that you love. And then on top of it, the, the biggest win for me is the fact that I feel like it's a ministry. It's the first job where I really feel like I'm giving back to the community. Um, I'm doing a service for, for people that are, that are grieving. And just being there for them to be a shoulder to cry on is, is, is a really, really powerful thing. Well, welcome home, Chris. We're really excited to have you. We love you. What's it like? becoming a funeral director for you it's cool i mean it's 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 really it's a really unique job every day is something different and um there, there's a lot of different things that you do uh for me it's it's I, i'm kind of have a smorgasbord of everything as a, as a funeral assistant right now i'm not only doing uh, office work i'm kind of learning the bookkeeping side of things but i'm also going on calls i'm working funerals visitations memorial services so kind of a jack of all trades right now it's cool Hey, Chris, I got, I got a question for you. Being that you didn't start just initially going into the funeral home, I wonder what has changed? What's your, what's your thought process with that? Why didn't you go directly into the funeral home? And what, I guess, what brought you here? When I was younger, I actually did want to be a funeral director. And then I think the older I got, there was some red flags for me. Uh, you know, 24-7 job is, is tough. When you see your father leaving on Christmas because there's a call um, or, you know, he's getting up at four in the morning because there's a call. You're you're always on duty. I I think that scared me away a little bit. Um, I'm also an empath, so I I feel a lot 
And um, that's hard for me sometimes to watch people grieving, uh, especially when it comes to family and loved ones, because I, I am so close to mine. So that was another thing that was really, really hard for me. And, and, and also I'm, I'm a pretty wild person. So, you know, a job that kind of frowns on tattoos, uh, piercings, uh, alternate lifestyle was, was also tough, but I, I found as I got older and older, you know, our society has changed. It's definitely a lot more acceptable now. And, um, uh, so now that's been a big win, but also the fact that I, I am a more, um, emotionally sound than I was when I was younger. And I'm, and I think I'm also playing to those strengths of being an empath. That's something that I can actually help out with here. It's not something to be embarrassed or ashamed of. It's not weak to, you know, be, be sympathetic and, and, and cry here and there. So just kind of put a, put a positive spin on it. So being that you work with your dad and your brother, one being the older generation funeral home funeral director, and then Benny being the, the kind of younger generation, have you noticed younger, sexier? Yeah. So my question becomes, do you notice difference in, in like how you're being trained by both of them? Like what, what do you notice? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, dad has a lot of experience. Uh, dad's been doing this for what over 30 years. 40 years, um, you know, where Ben are, Ben is a little more new school and obviously Ben is closer in age to me. So I think it's Benny, please. Benny, ben, sorry, ben. Benny, uh, Benny and I, I think identify more because we're closer in age. So I think we tend to have a little more wild and radical ideas where, you know, dad is, is old school. Dad is, uh, has been doing this for a long time. So he's, I don't want to say set in his ways, but dad has a, has a system and a way for doing everything where, I feel like Benny is challenging me to try different things. We're looking outside of the box, and I like that. You looking outside the box, really, with your piercings and your tattoos and all that stuff? Oh, that well, Capali, I got some thoughts for you. So I, I'm trying to think back 10 years ago when I first kind of started, at a little bit over 10 years. Um, I think you're doing it the right way, and why I say that is because you're going through almost an apprenticeship before you're actually going through your apprenticeship and before you're going to Wayne State for your mortuary school. Um, you're seeing but everything. Let me, let me stop you there, Ben. Haven't we all kind of went through an apprenticeship because we've been in the funeral home since we were like seven years old? Yes, absolutely, Dr. Nick. And I appreciate it if you didn't uh, just jump in every second. So let me just take a second here with Kapali. So you, you've seen it ever. You've seen the night. You've gone on night calls with us. You've you've been you've seen some embalmings now, some arrangements, some visitations, some funerals. What is your what do you feel is going to be your strong point And what are maybe some of your challenges going into the funeral profession? Well, I think strength wise, bringing in new ideas. I think the fact that for the past uh, 20 years, I've been, you know, retail management, customer service, hospitality. There, uh, There's a lot of really cool concepts out there that I can bring in, you know, whereas dad has been doing this all of his life. And this has pretty much been your uh, predominant do job as well. I like that I'm, I'm bringing some things that are outside of the box to the table. And uh, I'm looking at things from a different perspective, because like I said, I was an employee, I was also a manager. So I'm on both sides of the fence there. As far as struggle goes, um, again, the 24 seven lifestyle is tough, you know, wanting to have holidays home with your kids and your family. And, um, and again, even, even the empath thing that I, that I brought up earlier, sometimes my emotions do uh, affect me more than they should. So that's definitely, I'm not good when it comes to compartmentalizing. So I'm going to have to learn how to step back a little, you know, take a, take a deep breath when it happens. But I also need to uh, appreciate and celebrate the fact that I'm an empath because that can be helpful. 
Oh, absolutely. And I'm going to stop you there for a second, Chris. The new studies actually with women becoming predominantly the funeral directors coming out of school, um, there's actually been some a lot of positive coming out of women being able to emotionally connect to the families comparably to the old style of we have to kind of suck in our emotions and not show them. Um, they're finding that funeral directors that actually grieve with the families out in the open can be very beneficial to not only the families, but to themselves as funeral directors. Um, it actually is a self-care thing to be able to let go of some of that grief um, instead of taking home, which we've been kind of stuck in the last couple generations with the older generation of funeral directors. So I think actually be, you being an empath is more humanistic to how families will be able to understand the funeral director and actually look at funeral directors as humans. Um, Kapali, I'm going to ask you this. They always say, um, don't work with family, right? That, that's kind of the big thing. Like, don't work with family. It always is a negative thing. Um, me, personally, I, I love working with my family. How does that feel? Uh, uh, maybe some of the positives and struggles uh, working with your own family in the family uh, family biz. Sure. Um, I, I think where it gets tough is it's really easy to take advantage of your family, Um and I think that's where, where that, that phrase, that saying comes from. You really have to be careful not to take advantage just because, you know, you're my brother or you're my father or I'm your son. Uh, you can't use that. Um, you you got to be, I mean, you can use it, but not in a negative way, right? You, you really need to, to still respect and treat everybody uh, as equals. So I could see where that would be dangerous. Like, like living with a friend, right? They always say, don't live, don't move in with your friend because by the time that you, you know, they move out, you're going to be enemies. It's the same thing. You just got to be really careful, set those boundaries, set those healthy boundaries and uh, hold each other accountable. And as long as you can do that and you all, you know, put in the same amount of work and effort and help each other out, I think it'll be okay. Um, but I also, again, the strength of that is, you know, you're my brother and it's my father and it's my family. Like, I know I can fall on you guys if there's a problem. Um, you guys are more likely to understand me going through a tough time than, you know, a bunch of strangers. You know, you work with people that you, you barely know or even, you know, a corporation that kind of sees you as a number, it's, it's completely opposite working here. You know, I feel like I'm home when I'm here. I enjoy coming to work. I look forward to it because I know I'm going to get to spend quality time with my family. So, and I know that's not the case for everybody. And I know that's, I'm very lucky and blessed, but that's all I've experienced up to this point. Here's my question for you guys, since you guys work very intimately together, what is the most annoying part about working with Ben for Chris? Benny. Benny, Capali. and then vice versa. Benny, what's the most annoying part working with Chrissy or Capali? I'm going to say the, the the most annoying thing working with Capali, oh gosh, would be him telling me the same story about five times in a row. And then later that day or that week telling me the same story about that. Um, but uh, the best part of working with Capali is being able to see him. I mean, because of my stressful um all the time job, it was harder to, to be able to spend time with my older brother, um, being we both live in different uh, cities, and uh, I just didn't get to see him. He had a different schedule than I did. Um, so that's that that works out pretty well is being able to see him. You know, obviously his strength is just working for his yeah, younger brother, um, really looking up to him. But uh, I'll let Kapali answer that question. Uh, I say with Benny, the most annoying thing is when he gets frustrated or he feels like pressure and stress, he gets very terse. Um, I mean, he's just zero to 60 seconds where he's... So kind of like a, like stick up the butt? <laughs> stick up the butt syndrome. 
Uh, he could be very passive aggressive and just, uh, he just kind of gets you. He can, he can nip at you a little bit, but I can appreciate that in the same token, because I know he cares and he's very passionate about his job. And there is a lot on the line. Um, there is a lot that he, that is expected out of him and a lot that he's responsible for. So I get it. It is frustrating at times, but I, I do understand. And I do try to put myself in his shoes as best as I can. Uh, what I love about him is he understands everything. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm having a rough day, uh, if I need a little extra help with something, if I need, you know, leave early, he's always been very, I mean, dad has two, mom has as well, everybody here, but that's always been amazing that it, it seems like they just, they allow me to do what I need to do, uh, when the time calls for it. But yeah, that's what I would say is the, the positive and negative. Well, bringing, bringing David Norman into the picture, um, dad, uh, David Norman, the, the dad, um, Let's ask uh, Chrissy and Benny the same question. What's what's it like working? Worst part of working with your dad, and best part working with your dad. Capaldi, you take this one first. Oh, okay. Um, I, again, I think my dad sometimes can be one track mind. Uh, with with dad having uh, been here as long as he has been, I think he's gotten comfortable. Which again, not necessarily a bad thing, but there are times where it is very frustrating. Uh, I think you know sometimes not necessarily uh, rewrite the wheel, but just allow for some wiggle room for changes. And, um, but again, same thing with, with dad, I would say with Benny, like just super, super supportive um, and just a lot of fun to work with. And I, and he's, he's a wealth of knowledge and I I like, I like being around that. So I'm going to say my, my least favorite thing with uh, Papa, Papa Gio um, is uh, not really a negative thing. It's more of a pet peeve I have with him. One thing is he never says goodbye when he hangs up the phone. He'll tell you something and then he just hangs up and you are halfway in a statement. Um, or he'll be uh, getting right on the uh, lawnmower when he used to lawnmow and he would be telling you something while he turns on the lawnmower and drives away. <laughs> hey, Ben, make sure you. It's like, okay, I guess I didn't get any of that. Um, or when he gets super nervous. He like goes into like a one track mind and it's like, dad, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Um, and I forgot something about Capali. If he could just get off TikTok for a second and actually do his job, that would be very helpful. Um, he's a TikToker. So uh, check him out. Capali cast and all that jazz. Uh, but actually, Capali, before we get into the questions, because I think we got some questions here. Um, what would you give advice for a young uh, soon to be funeral professional, whether that be embalmer, you know, or whether what, that you know, be... I'm going to stop you right there because I think, can you stop stopping well, me? I'm going to stop you. Yeah, you're like I... a red light going. I think Capali <laughs> has a really good, um, being married, having children. He's not super young. He's kind of that mid age, but there's a lot of new funeral directors that are in their second careers, That's... third careers. Well, I'm saying when you say young, let's clarify that he's young in the married, profession, young in the profession, know, a new has kids, like a, 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 a few, a soon to be funeral director coming in, right? I'm not go. necessarily saying age. I'm not ageist, Nick. Um, but Seems saying, a little ageist to me. I was <laughs> a little nervous about where we were going. First of all, I think you're just jealous you don't have anything to do on this podcast. I'm surprised you're just you wore a tie today. There. Michigan State and Michigan are playing today. Uh, it's casual so, Friday. All right, all right. We need to get back. Capali, any advice for new recruits to the funeral professional? What would you say? Go into it right for the right reasons. Go into it because you want to help and make a difference and be there for the families. I I cannot stress that enough that we are here to take care of the families. It's not about a paycheck. I understand we all need to get paid to stay alive, to keep the lights on, to eat, but you're doing this for the families. Remember that. It's not about you. It's about them. 
or like my dad always said, and we hate this phrase, I think we can all say at the same time, <laughs> it's not what it's, your community it's, does for it's you, you. It's, it's what, what you do for your community. community. Yeah, and we've heard that, you know, that, and that's been ingrained in our minds because it's true. It's, we are here for the community and, and you need to be that, that way if you're going to go into the business. The, or what was the other one? The commu- The reason you have this house and this food is because of the community that we serve. Yeah, they, they pay our bills. And like I said, at the end of the day, yes, we have to, to make money to survive, but that's not why we're doing this. My piece of advice would be exactly what Capali's doing. Get into a funeral home before you go to school. Um, with 60% of funeral directors uh, not being in the business after five years after being licensed, I think one of the big reasons is they don't know what they're in for. Um, I really think if you're out there thinking about becoming a funeral professional, go to your local funeral home and ask if you could just have a summer working with funeral directors. And uh, if you're thinking about being a psychologist, which is, uh, I guess, okay, um, you can talk to Dr. Nick, but I think he's just, he's a little bit embarrassed, I think, because he has nothing to say today. Maybe he's a little jealous of not being a funeral professional. You know, the the reality is... That you know, I'm I'm in the back. I'm you know I'm I'm the you shadow. are in the back. You are I'm the, the shadow. shadow of the the funeral directors. I keep them rocking and rolling. You know when they're struggling with their, you know for Ben it's not having enough candy because he's a little baby, um and for Chris it's not being Capali, Capali. It's if not you can remember names being be able to TikTok enough, but um you it's know it's TikTok. It it's is. all social media or take pictures all the time. You know what, Capali? You, you, you're new to this. You know what time it is? Uh, it's Q&A time. Q&A, Q&A, everyone loves that Q&A. All right, guys, let's get to the questions. Q&As. Question one. How do I become a funeral director? I've been trying to figure out what I want to do with my life and figure out a career. I've been tossing around the idea of learning how to be a funeral director. I'm interested to learn the first steps I need to take to become one. Do you have any advice? Kapal, you want me to take this one or you want to take this one? You take it. I might chime in though. Yeah, I figured you'd want me to take care of it. You know, start with the big, big guns. So yeah, you're thinking about being a funeral director. That is awesome. First of all, this is a calling. This is not like an occupation. So if you're getting into this and into this beautiful profession, um, expecting to make a lot of money, and because you see the shiny shoe, the shiny shoe, the shiny suits, and the uh, beautiful cars, that is not going to be the answer. If you're getting in this for money, that is the wrong reasons to get into this. If you're getting into this because you want to take care of families and you want to help people go through the grieving process, this is the place to be. My biggest suggestion to you, like I said earlier on this show, on this podcast is that you want to go in and actually see what a funeral director does. Go into your local funeral home, ask your local funeral director to kind of show you the ropes, maybe take on uh, a small job, whether it be emptying trashes or whatnot, and actually witness what a funeral home is and how it's how it runs. Um, the other big thing I want you to take in consideration is your life will be given to the funeral home for the at least the first five to 10 years. You have to learn um, there's a lot of late hours. There's a lot of 24-7. A lot of times you're going to be calling your loved ones or your friends saying that tonight's plans have been canceled because you will be on call. Um, but I, my first thing to suggest to you is actually go and witness what a funeral professional does. See if you want to actually do the outside, um, like the arrangements, be a part of like the actual directing. Maybe you just want to do the behind the scenes, the embalming and the restorative art and um, the cosmetizing of bodies. 
um, those are kind of things to start looking into before. And then obviously look into your education, what colleges, maybe having prereqs, maybe go to the local community college and start getting some of your prereqs done so you don't have to spend a, a, a enormous, enormous amount of money. Uh, Dr. Nick can tell you about that. I'm sure his uh, student loans have been pretty fun the last couple of years coming into this. Uh, but talk about them. Um, Kapali, maybe what, what, what would be your suggestion other than those? I think you nailed them. You nailed the casket. Sure, <laughs> you were, Capali. <laughs> nailed the lid on the casket. You nailed the lid on the casket? Yeah, that was good. I like that, Dr. Nick. Every once in a while. Education-wise is what I was going to bring up, but that's that's a, g- a good point. Definitely reach out to your colleges and see what the curriculum is involved um, and what prereqs you already have. So for me, you know, I, I did go to college. I did get an associate's degree in science. You went to college? I did go to college. <laughs> your mom goes to college. Um I did go to college, but knowing what the prereqs you already have are, because like you said, it, it gets really expensive when you don't know what you already have. So going and talking to a guidance counselor is a big win. And and I like the shadowing a funeral director, you know, actually kind of walk that mile and see if it's something you can do. There is, it's uh, emotionally taxing. It really is. And uh, yeah. And I, you know, just to go on a little bit more on that answer, the reason I, I really say to shadow a funeral home and a funeral director is because I was shocked when I went into mortuary science school, how many of my co-students have never set foot in a funeral home. And then to be expected to work the hours that we do and the emotional um, um, bombardment that comes with it without knowing um, that is going to happen. Because even us, Kapali, and I think you could agree with this, we grew up in a funeral home, so we knew certain things, but there's still things that shock the hell out of me. There's still things that I see and hear that I never thought dad had to deal with or grandpa or great grandpa. So even us being sons, um, and I would assume the daughters of funeral directors, we're still amazed at what this job entails. So the more you can educate yourself and the more you can kind of uh, uh, put yourself in those uh, suit shoes, per se, the better you're going to have at, uh, at college and, and becoming a funeral professional. So Dr. Nick, you got another one for us? Yeah. I'm just still trying to comprehend suit shoes. Well, um, I'd say, you know, like, like, you know, walk, walk in somebody's shoes, you know, oh, okay. like, you know, I fall asleep. so suit I, shoes, I, you know, I could continue on. Uh, it's uh, not for everybody. Dr. Nick. Well, you know, my suit suede shoes. <laughs> I'm more of a penny loafer kind of guy. All right. Ish. So next question, question two, favorite part of being a funeral director. I love listening to your podcast, especially Dr. Kapal. Um, <laughs> you wish. I'm curious to know if you have a favorite part of being a funeral director. What do you guys got? Oh, that's funny. On that question, Nick, it says Dr. Nick, but he, they circled my picture. It's weird because usually in emails, you don't get pictures, but. Well, you know, we're going to work that So, uh, yeah, uh, Kapali, so far. Because I know you're kind of still getting in the roots of this. What's your favorite part of doing what you're doing right now? I think it's cool. parking cars. Oh, hate parking cars. I hate being in a suit outside when it's hot or really, really cold. But um, no, I think a really cool thing is when you have a family several weeks after a funeral come up to you and give you a hug and thank you. You know, obviously what you did meant something to them. And, you know, you, you create really good relationships with those people that are that are lasting because of what you did for them. So I, I, that's pretty rewarding. Yeah, I would say my favorite part is when you educate somebody, whether that be a child or an adult, because I think we're all children one way or another, um, on something. Especially that, Benny and Capola. Uh, really, really. I mean, we're just two kids here. We're just all baseball players here. But uh, so when you educate them and then you can actually see it like sink in, 
you know, and they, and when you see somebody almost have that aha moment, like, Oh, it's okay to cry. It's okay to show emotion being the whole gender role thing where men don't cry or, Oh, that's why we cremate or that's why we bury or, I had no idea that grandpa still had his feet in the casket. You know, these, all these things that, you know, the reason we started this podcast, Dr. Nick, um, you know, to educate people on, it's okay to ask those questions. And because this isn't a normal topic and in today's society, we don't talk about death. So anytime that I can educate, I think the education part for me, uh, educating our families, you know, it always comes down to, we always hear like, oh, man, it must be weird spending time with all that dead people, you know, but it's honestly, we spend most of our time with the living. Um, I want to jump in real quick, too, about the education piece. Jump in, man. One, two, buckle my shoe. Three, four, shut the door. I've, I've witnessed both Benny and my father, uh, David Norman, educate the families. Uh, I'm sitting in on a lot of the arrangements and they describe, you know, cremation as a bonfire. They describe uh, burial as a gift, a present. And there's all these really cool uh, analogies that they use and the way that they illustrate death. It's there's, there's beauty in it as, as cryptic as that sounds, there's beauty in everything that they do um, with these families. As these families are grieving, they're trying to get to their level to explain it to them. So they understand. So it's not scary. You know, it's not terrifying. It's not devastating, which um, that's really cool to see. And, and, and you mentioned Benny, the, the aha moments when it clicks with a family, like, you know, how am I going to explain to my three-year-old about cremation? Bonfires, right there. Bonfires are amazing. You know, family sits around, shares stories, has this beautiful fire. It's a great way to explain cremation. Or the box, the present. You put, you know, very, very valuable gifts into boxes because you want to protect them. You want to take care of them. Um, you want to celebrate them. Those are really, really cool ways that you can describe that. So that's, that's a win right there. Uh, Dr. Nick, what is your favorite part of watching me, Benny, be the best funeral director out there? What's well, you know, it's funny. Chris mentioned sitting. And Capaldi. I, I see a lot of sitting from you two, a lot of sitting, not a lot of action. So, hey, you got to keep those suits um, pressed one way or another, you know, Dr. It Nick. is. What, well, actually, not all of us actually, can wear fishermen's sweaters. Actually, standing up will keep your suit pressed. Sitting will actually not do that. So um, I digress. Yeah. yeah so yeah. anyways, to everybody out there in the listening sphere of, uh, let's talk about death. Um, make sure you send your questions to let's talk about death pod at gmail.com. Um, share it with your friends, you know, maybe even send us a wink or two or, um, you <laughs> just know, just wink it up. <laughs> just send a wink. Read the you word know, about out, our mission. Check out know? our Facebook, our Instagram, all that. Send us the, the questions you send. We're using. So hey, please. we're getting people to talk about death and I hope you're, you know, going home and talking to your family about it. And if you got a question for Capali, send it his way. I'm and sure he can rejoin us. Reviews are huge too. You know, from somebody that does a lot of social media reviews, leave them reviews, let them know if you like this, what you don't like. That feedback is valuable. Reviews. Thank you, Capali. Thank you for that. Because if you're not talking about death, you, you ain't, ain't living. living.